0: This is your host, Grant Premier, Naval Academy Class of 2017, and I'm your Academy Insider. It's my goal to be your guide through the Naval Academy experience by sharing my stories and providing you inside information into the life of a midshipman. Academy Insider is in no way officially affiliated with the United States Naval Academy. All of the content on Academy Insider is my own and does not reflect the views of the United States Naval Academy the United States Navy, nor the Department of Defense. Welcome to the Academy Insider Podcast. And today I'm extremely lucky to be joined by Troy Thompson, a fellow Class of 17 graduate, a cyber operations major, and a former member of the Navy football team. For this episode and many more after this, I will be talking about the Plebe Summer Experience. I plan to bring in many former midshipmen, both men and women, recruited athlete and non-athlete, and from all over the country with diverse backgrounds to try and provide as many viewpoints as possible into the experiences of Plebe Summer. I want you all to find a role model who is just like you through the guests of Academy Insider, so that way you can get the best insight into what to expect from someone who's just like you. I like to think the best way to learn is through stories, so hopefully we can share some really entertaining stories that will help you learn about Plebe Summer. I specifically wanted Troy to be my first guest in the Plebe Summer Experience series of the Academy Insider Podcast because there are few individuals that I have more respect for than Troy. Troy's an amazing person and an amazing leader, and he excelled as a midshipman. He's incredibly smart, thoughtful, and I specifically remember remarking to my dad during my time at the Academy that he was going to do big things one one day. With Troy, we're going to talk about his recruiting experience, the transition to actually beginning plebe Summer, and then some of the really important lessons he learned as a result of plebe Summer. And all of this while he pursues to be his best every day. So make sure to tune into this awesome episode as Troy kindly joins us from Japan, uh, where he is currently serving as a service warfare officer. So I'm extremely grateful for Troy taking the time out of his day and his busy work schedule to talk with us about his plebe summer experience. I hope you all enjoy it. Hey, Troy, thanks for coming on the Academy Insider Podcast. I appreciate you being willing to do this.
1: Uh, Pleasure's all mine, man. Old classmates, great friends (laughs) to
0: be here. Absolutely. All right. So again, for everyone listening, this is going to be another one of the plebe Summer series in terms of how was your plebe Summer and kind of talking about the plebe Summer experience. So Troy, before we get into that, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you grew up, a little bit about you and your family, and then what brought you to the Academy. And then once you were at the Academy, a little bit of your background. So company major and just, you know, get let the people get to know you a little bit.
1: So, originally born in Syracuse, New York in uh, 1994, son of two law school students. And from there, we moved all over the place, Omaha, Nebraska, Atlanta, from Atlanta to Omaha, back to Atlanta. And in Omaha, or in Atlanta, uh, went to Philadelphia, high school football, and then student government. And I have three sisters, all athletes, uh, one that goes to Tulane. One that's currently uh, in the process of determining where her next school is going to be uh, for college. And then a young 10-year-old athlete. Um, <laughs> currently trying to work her way up the ranks and, and match her, her brothers and sisters in <laughs> skill. But what brought me to the academy, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. uh, football. Yeah. Um, initially, I remember growing up and watching you know, Ricky Dobbs and that old 19 Army-Navy game. It was the first time I'd ever seen an Army-Navy game. And just seeing the pride that they played with, uh, that was the first time I ever saw an Army Navy game, and I distinctly remember at 15 years old, my dad saying, "Hey, I can see you playing man. I' playing I'm playing in that game, And it never occurred to me after that. And then mm-hmm. you know my junior year, uh, recruiting coach, coach Ashley Ingram, was still at the academy, uh, came to spring practice, um, and He said, "Hey he would like you to you know come make a visit." Mm-hmm. Um, the moment I stepped on the yard, fell in love. Camaraderie, the team environment, the beauty of Annapolis in the summertime. I mean, it, it's, it's honestly not fair that you get to do official business to the academy during the summer. They shouldn't allow it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cheating. <laughs> um, once I got to the academy, uh, four years, um, played football quarterback, great time, great team. That the brotherhood is truly alive and full. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of my, my greatest blessings. Um, and also was able to branch off a little bit during my time at the academy and, be a part of various organizations, the, uh, the Shipman Action Group, Nesby, I was the president of NsB my senior year. A lot of community service organizations interacting with mids for kids, a couple, um, of, uh, couple of the off-base in, uh, interaction with the Shipman Black Studies Program. Yep. Uh, so it was awesome. We got to get very active at the academy, make a lot of difference community at large, which is what it's all about. That's to me in a nutshell.
0: Absolutely. Did you have any military in your family, or are you the first person to uh, join the military?
1: So, interestingly enough, so right now I'm in Sasebo, Japan. And mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: uh, right before Vietnam, I had a Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike was stationed in Okinawa mm-hmm. about 45 years ago. And he actually brought back samurai swords from my family. And I was, <laughs> you know, back in the day when mm-hmm. we were still in Okinawa, um, it was a little bit more relaxed as a restriction standpoint than it is now. And those samurai soldiers are still in my family. They, they, that's one of the, the longest legacies of the military that we still have.
0: Okay, awesome. And my uncle Mike. That's really cool. And just so, just for everyone who's listening, like, Troy was a, a standout midshipman. Like, I'm telling you, there's not many more people I respect more in the world than Troy. And, like, just dedicated excellence in everything he does. And, like, when I tell you he was phenomenal as a midshipman, uh, I'm so serious. So, for everyone who's listening who's kind of like, man, I'm not really sure that I'm making the right choice. Like, I'm coming because I was a recruited athlete, which is the exact same thing it was for me. Like, I had no idea about the academy and I definitely wasn't planning on going to the academy until I started yeah. to get recruited for my sport. But I just want to reassure you that there are so many midshipmen who came to the academy because they were recruited athletes and that was the main reason they came that were extremely successful at the academy and then go on to love their job in the military. Whether that's a division officer on the ship like Troy or into the cryptologic warfare community like myself, like there are so many opportunities And people thrive during their time at and after the academy who got there because of their recruitment as a varsity athlete. So that's definitely definitely a big thing. And I just want to reassure people who may be recruited athletes and wouldn't be coming any way other that it is just as good of a reason as anyone else to attend the academy. All right. So kind of... Yeah, what's up? I can't reiterate
1: that enough. The intangible assets that you get as as an athlete, recruited athlete, you know, fighting through challenges as a, as a young student athlete, I and mean, those, those intangibles, those things that you learn as a result of being you know, with your peers and competitors, but with yourself, it goes a very long way your being you know, an effective midshipman as a whole. So I, I,
0: I can't reiterate that a lot. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So kind of next question is is because you were someone who came as a recruited athlete and you kind of weren't necessarily thinking about the academy before that. What did you actually know about the Academy prior to accepting your appointment? Like, what did you know about the Naval Academy? What did you know you were getting yourself into before you showed up Friday?
1: So, prior to accepting my appointment and prior to accepting my offer, those are two totally different <laughs> questions. So, prior to accepting my offer, I thought that the Naval Academy was you know, a great school, you know, football oriented in, in Annapolis. Uh, I was excited to get there, play some ball. It was either the Naval Academy or Harvard, and between the two, you know, this is my best opportunity to play football, you know, play Division One football, and get the, that high-level education as well. Absolutely. Um, and so I knew football. That's what I knew. From the, I, knew <laughs> I knew football, and, and I knew that they had a great weapons engineering program, and I wanted to be Tony Stark when I was young. So it was like everything aligned. Um, prior to accepting my appointment, everything got a little bit more real. You get the complete summer package, and they tell you, you know, kind of what to expect, what the timeline's going to be, when you'll wake up. Uh, what the, what the workout regimen is going to be. And you start to recognize that everything's not going to be centered around football. And that was my expectation. Honestly, up to stepping into the, the yard on I-Day, I was expecting that football was going to be my priority. I was going into football, preparing for camp to mm-hmm. compete for, you know, a spot. That wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was a big eye-opener, a big surprise.
0: Yeah, you learn that's not the case real quick.
1: <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> so it's actually funny. Walking there that day, I just, everybody's eyes, I can see, even in Coach Mimantelolo's eyes, there was a sense of understanding from the process that was to come. And I was like, Coach, you good? Like, what's going on? He was like, hey, son, you'll be good. You'll be good. (laughs) You'll be good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that
1: reassuring voice that he has. Yeah, they
0: they wait till you get out there, and they'll be like, all right. Now like, hey, you're going to be all right. And you're like, why are you saying this right now? And they're like, just, you'll understand in a a couple hours, but you'll be all right. Yeah, speaking of that, Tell me a little bit about your I day. Who came out with you to I day? Like did your family come out with you and then what was your I day experience like going through? Oh yeah.
1: So uh I day, so we pulled into Annapolis a day early. Uh, got acclimated, got to see the city a little bit more. So it was my family my sisters as well as my my grandparents, uh, they all came. So I had a pretty pretty big support unit. and all my sisters were very young. It's it's crazy looking back at pictures now. So they were they didn't really understand what was going on that I was going away. They just Honestly, thought it was summer camp, and so we go in, go into Alumni Hall, get all my gear, and this is all after we had a football meeting. You know, they prepare you and say, "Hey, you guys will do great. Make sure you hold the standard." You know, the, the whole, the whole nine yards. of the kids feel uh, represent the brotherhood when you go in. So like, Can you go in, okay, I'm pumped now. Let, let's get it. Yeah. You head to Alumni Hall, and that's where the in you know, processing begins. You go through the whole process of getting your gear getting that big 50-pound bag uh, slash ruck of, of items. you like, okay, wow, I need all this? <laughs> um, and then you carry it. You board those buses, and that's where it hits you. Oh, okay, this yeah. is real. right? In um, that moment, that the boarding of the buses, that was the most surreal moment where it definitely hit me. And then getting off those buses, uh, when the <laughs> detailers are there waiting on
0: you. <laughs> Hurry up, move faster, move faster. No, don't run, move faster, yeah. don't... <laughs> oh
1: yeah hurry up (laughs) oh yeah so so that moment pivotal in my summer that was the first time that i was afraid honestly in my entire life Mm -hmm. Uh, just because i didn't know what to expect i wasn't sure what the what the parameters or what the guidelines were Uh, so that would be one thing that i would definitely recommend know what the go and no-go items are yeah uh, so you kind of have an idea of what to expect Mm -hmm. that's being well read and, and understanding what the the parameters are what the what the rules the guidelines are and anything in any any facet, and you learn that now on site twenty twenty. But yeah. I went in, bright eyed bushy tailed, no <laughs> idea what what could be done and what couldn't be done. Yep. Seeing down, you know I day, so I was horrible with my rates the first yeah. day, so I, I had a, a horrible reputation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, mean, I I could not say the mission. I could not say I, I was really bad. Yeah. Um, and I was honestly so far behind that it took me about. Half of the first set in order to execute, catch up with all my peers. And then finally on the back end, seeing my family, that final goodbye. You're, yep. you're in your, you know your sleeve lights and they're looking at you like, wow, <laughs> already, already changed. They yep, shaved, my head, shav- <laughs> shaved my head, shaved uh, my head, crooked haircut, my hairline's messed up. <laughs> you see I'm bald now as it was old. And uh, you felt a sense of a change Definite change in terms of your reality already yeah. changing. Um, your family sees you differently. The air has changed around you. Yeah. You I mean, say so you'll say those final goodbyes, and then you're going into you know even formation head in, mm-hmm. and the game's games.
0: Oh yeah, I, that's so funny you bring that up. That's something I forget all the time. Is like when I finally got out at the oath of office yes. ceremony and sat down with my family for the last time. Like I was shook. Like. I, yeah. my family was like, yo, are you okay? Cause like I had a, yeah. I had a terrible experience after I had checked into the hall. Like, I mean, it took me like three hours before I was like, what the heck did I just get myself into? Cause I was getting screamed at for all these crazy things like you're saying that I didn't know about. Like I was just like walking through the hall and people are like screaming at me, like start chopping, hit a bullhead," And I'm like looking around. I'm like, what does this mean? What, what does, does this mean? mean? Like, what are they saying? And, uh, I remember they brought me like all this food and stuff, and I, and I just sat there and I was like, I'm not hungry, <laughs> like I can't eat. So yeah, I, that's funny, but yeah, there's different like sense in the air when you're saying those final goodbyes. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Definitely just to bring that up. You said that you were, uh, you kind of for the first time you felt like a little fear and a little nervousness. Did that ever turn yeah. into like a a full fledged like what the heck did I just get myself into moment? Or were, was there ever a time where you're like. I don't know. I don't know uh, if I could do this. Like, what the heck did uh, I just do?
1: It was honestly for that first couple of days where there was no interaction with football. I didn't see the end in sight. I was like, okay, I didn't come here for this, <laughs> <laughs> which was like, it's an interesting thing because in all actuality, you do. That's yep. exactly what you're there for. Yep. But as a as an 18 year old who's my entire life up to that point had been football and being quarterback as uh, my entire life, yeah, it was such a shift. It was so uncomfortable.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and if you I'm just going to catch you up real quick. For everyone who's listening, if you are a recruited athlete, it is a crazy jump because you do not have sports period for about the first week of Plebe Summer. So you go in and you have like your last team meeting before Plebe Summer starts and you get to know the coaches, you get to know the other guys that are recruited. But like for that first eight days, you don't get to go to your sport. Like you don't get to get away from Plebe Summer. And that's crazy because I'm telling you right now, eight days during Plebe Summer feels like an eternity. Forever. So so, ever. like, That's it's just right. really important that you know, like, when you're going there that, like, that first week is all plebe That's summer. You. Like, you are not going to get all your year. break. You're not going to go play the game that you love. You're not going to go get away and be around the people that you actually know and are, like, trying to help you out, right? So that is a big <laughs> thing big thing to realize before you go in, setting realistic expectations. That first week, no sports and just all plebe Ooh. summer.
1: All plebe summer. And, and they do it for a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's the first week is, in any process, is the, is the most pivotal in, in terms of breaking. It. My mom has this great quote, and she sent it in a letter. Um, and this is kind of something that I thought about throughout the entirety of plebe center. She sent it the first week, and mm-hmm. it was called, He said, the breaking is making you who you need to be. And you get broken by design. You get broken. And, and the breaking did make you who you needed to be. Absolutely. Uh, that's the story of my academy experience, to be quite honest. So plebe summer, definitely. From the first swim test mm-hmm. to the first run to, you know, the push-up regimen, sit-ups, at teen chopping, mm-hmm. the whole nine, and purposely breaking your, your ingrained processes in order to make you and mold you to a midshipman a that is capable of future leadership and you know, it's in the process
0: works, and that that is straight wisdom right there. First of all, your mom is a very wise person. That that's awesome. But that even then, like I didn't have the, I don't even know what the right word, but is the consciousness to realize that. Like I didn't realize that lesson until like my my sophomore junior year, to the point where I was like, because they always talk about like you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. But I always thought that was like a physical thing, right? I was like, yeah, I got to get comfortable working out and like pushing myself physically. Right. But no, that, that's a, that's a mental thing. That's a character thing is like just getting used in order to become the person and the leader that you want to be. You got to go through that, that breaking down phase in order to build you up with the correct habits and, and characteristic traits and everything like that. And that's a real thing. Like you're going to go through a lot of moments during plebe summer where you were just utterly uncomfortable and not even like in a physical way, just like just everything about like your essence and being and like who you are is like going through transformation. Right. Like. Like you're saying, that pain is the price of growth. Like in order to grow and start to develop, you have to go through that breaking. You have to go through that pain. And that's what Plebe Summer is all about. So I think that's a fantastic lesson. That's really cool that your mom sent you that. But since we're on that lesson, what did you enjoy getting in the mail? So you mentioned that your mom mailed you that letter. What were some of the things you enjoyed getting in the mail? What were some things that you enjoyed getting in care packages? And what are those things that your parents and family were able to do that that you appreciated and helped you out during Plebe Summer?
1: The big thing was letters. I mean, just because of how much time it takes to write a, an actual letter from my sisters, those definitely were motivating factors. Can you get your letters at mail call at night? So when you get those, you get those letters you know, before you go to sleep, you, know, you tuck them under your pillow. And, you know, because you're technically supposed to be asleep. I mean, i got to read my family's letters. So, you know, you read those letters at night and i are like, OK, everybody back home is really proud of me, looking at me. And expecting me to be excellent. So, it, you know, we all, I'm going to talk about excellence a lot, I'm clear, it, this afternoon. But the, that standard of excellence is set by having that support system. And my support system was heavy. So, Cliff Bars was a big snack that I always asked for. Mm-hmm. I love chocolate chip Cliff Bars and <laughs> only chocolate chip <laughs> Cliff Bars. And then also Listerine and put powder. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I was thinking it up a couple of days in the day of summer. <laughs> um, and I had to completely realign my, my grooming process. Yeah. I've never shaved them off before. Um, and the expectation was even if you don't have hair, you shave. Rushing out a dry shave, and I started getting pimples. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of of growing that that took place in that time. Yeah, and wouldn't have occurred without. I mean, I, I sent you know letters to my father saying, "Hey, Dad, like I'm getting pimples. Can you send me some, some face wash, or can you send me new shaving cream?" It's all based off of the, the process, but um, snacks, Clif bars, Gatorades. Yeah. I, I'd say Gatorade's from King Hall. That helped out a lot.
0: <laughs> oh uh, definitely. which
1: de- is another thing I would definitely recommend um for those groups. Who- Gatorade at King Hall.
0: Oh absolutely. The Gatorade. The- Gatorades to at stash. King Hall, dude. I remember, like during my plebe year, and even during the year, like I would have stacks of like fifty Gatorades, oh, yeah. like it, on oh, my yeah. desk, just like constantly set up in like pyramid formation, because like you never know when you're going to need one, and they just provide them for you. Oh, yeah, oh, if there are leftovers out there, you got you got to take those. Absolutely.
1: At the end of the summer, I ended up having I think fifty, and they lasted me through plebe. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. It was crazy. No,
2: absolutely, it was, it was crazy.
1: Um, yeah, I would say the I would say letters. And then, you know, whatever your happiness is, some people it's quick Bar, some people it's candy, mm-hmm. some people it's just going to be, you know, the little vitamin C packages so that you don't get sick because, you know, it's a new environment, a lot of personnel, new people from new areas, all sorts of things. It's all, there's a, there's a lot of, like, USO care packages, essentially, like, there's a smorgasbord of all the things that you need. I think that's a good list.
0: Absolutely. Uh, that that's funny you say that because that was me. I was the one who was like, I wanted those emergency packets. Like I drink one of those every morning because I was tired of being sick. I was also at a point where I was like, man, like, I just want something tasty to eat. So like, I would have my parents send me like or, like golden Oreos. Like that was my thing. I was like, man, I just want like two Oreos to make me kind of happy at the end of the day because I'm, I'm I'm tired of it. I'm tired. Oh, yeah. and I just hey, want something.
1: Uh, thank you, happiness. All right, that's awesome.
0: Uh, cool. So we're gonna make a, a little bit of shift now to talking about some of the the lessons learned and the impacts of Plebe Summer. So we talked in a previous episode about the Plebe Summer organization and kind of what a squad leader is, what a platoon commander is, what a company commander, and all, all of those things. Because I wanted to put the emphasis about people during Plebe Summer. It's the people and it's the detailers that really make what Plebe Summer is. So I guess my first question to you is, who made the biggest impact on you during Cleve summer? Like, who was the person that really motivated you and why?
1: There's two people. Lieutenant Junior Gary Postrowski. He, he was a 5'8", um, 200 pounds, short, stocky, prior to the Marine. He was quite honestly one of the—I I haven't reached out to him, but I'm sure that to this day he's probably, he'd probably be one of the best options I know. He was professionally competent. He set standards. He communicated effectively. But he also knew how to, you know, like you said, ingrain that human aspect into his leadership. And he knew how to push people. And he was one of the first positive leadership models that I saw through the summer that I I, I truly wanted to emulate looking back on it now. Secondly, would be um, Shimon Enson-Duby. He was my first set squad leader. And I talked about it earlier. He challenged me more than anybody has. Um, I'm not going to say my life, but up to that point, he challenged me mentally and spiritually more than anybody had at that point, And I thank him for that. Mm-hmm. From a physical standpoint, he was a varsity soccer player. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, a, he was an athlete as well. Yep. So he understood, but he also didn't allow that to be an excuse. He would call me out any time my performance was subpar. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that made me a lot tougher uh, mentally uh, than I probably would have been otherwise. Oftentimes, you see some athletes get written off, oh, just an athlete. who won't be here. But he didn't allow that standard to occur. Yep. Um, he set that standard, and he made me be engaged. He made me be involved. and He expected that level of excellence from me. And I, I honestly didn't meet it. Yeah. Um, but he set the standard. And though it took me a little bit longer to reach that standard, I do appreciate him for that. Because he set the tone for the rest of my academy career.
0: Absolutely, dude. That's awesome. And I just want to reiterate again, the impact of the squad leader in Plebe Summer. I mean, those are the people that, uh, as you're getting ready, those are the people that are going to either make or break your plebe summer and leave you with a really positive or really negative taste of what's going on. Because those are the people that have the ability to really impact your life just because of the amount of time that they spend with you. So I'm just really glad to hear that your squad leader had won uh, that, but two, as a varsity athlete, was really able to relate. But like you're saying, there was no excuses for it. It's like, yeah, I know what you're going through, but I'm also not going to let you do anything less than what is expected. Of someone who is trying to be elite and excel at the academy, and that 's like something that I constantly harp on as a varsity athlete is like look you 're a varsity athlete good like that that 's awesome, but guess what? You still need to put in everything that everyone else is putting in and do the extra piece of being a varsity and athlete and th- and that 's hard and it 's not easy, and sometimes it 's not even fair. But if you want to be elite and you want to excel and you want to be great at your job, but also in your passion in the game that you play, then you have to be willing to put in the extra effort. Because that's what being a varsity athlete is all about, no matter where you go, whether it's at the academy or a civilian school, right? Like You are choosing to take on that extra workload, and you need to excel in everything that you do. So uh, that's really cool that that lesson was pushed early on.
1: And, and just to clarify, it doesn't mean that you're going to like your squad leader. Oh, wow. he probably won't. Not in the moment. You probably <laughs> hate them, especially as an 18 year old. Like I did not like my squad leader. Mm-hmm. I did not like my chain of command. Yep. Um, but it's not about liking. It's about respecting them and understanding. Honestly, four years later, what they did and why they did it. That's where the lessons really sit in. Or you know, in Grant's case, you know, four years later, when you're actually in, their, in that leadership position during pre Summer, mm-hmm. um, and you have to translate what you've been through into learning lessons on a leadership style that you press down upon the new plebes, yeah. And that's when the lessons really kick in, is when you are the trainer, when you are the one executing um, in order to doing the mission of the Naval Academy into those and into those below you. So that's when it really matters. You're not going to enjoy it while, <laughs> while it's happening. It's by design. Yes. It's that three years later, four years later, five years later, looking back and reflecting, like, wow, that's where I left like this from. Yep. Thank you thank you for that. So That's a, a big piece I, I want to make sure you communicate. Yeah, I no, like it in the moment.
0: Thank you so much for, for putting that perspective in there because it couldn't be more of the truth than like, hey, yeah, it's not their job to make pleep Summer okay. enjoyable. Pleap Summer is not supposed to be easy. They are at this point because they have come around to realize the lessons that they learned during pleep Summer and they want to make sure that you learn the same lessons. So everything they're doing... And when they're being hard on you and they're pushing you and they're not accepting anything, and and like you're saying, it's not going to be fun in the moment. You're probably going to hate them for it in the moment. But at the end of the day, they're doing it because they care about you and they're doing it because they want you to develop and learn the lessons and be ready to join the brigade. And like having that perspective and trying to understand that perspective before you go in and realizing that it's not personal, but it's all a professional development is super important. So I really appreciate you adding that piece. All right. Well, since we were talking about... Most of the times, it's not fun because it, it sucks in the moment. Um, <laughs> what was your biggest challenge during yes. plebe Summer? And then with that, I do want to like be completely forward and open and honest in this. Do you feel like there were any unique challenges you faced, either as a recruited yeah. athlete? Because I felt that sometimes I got an unfair, like, oh, he's just a varsity athlete. He doesn't want to be yeah. here. He came here for the wrong reasons. Like You come in with kind of a stigma, a stigma about being a recruited athlete. Yeah. But also you, oh, yeah. as a black midshipman, Do you feel like there are any unique challenges you face either as a recruited athlete or as a black midshipman, in addition just to the normal process of Cleve Summer?
1: So we'll start with the initial challenge, worst challenge. Honestly, the, the greatest challenge that I had was getting acclimated to constant pressure. And when I say constant pressure, I was used to it from a football perspective, but constant pressure mentally for rote memorization and doing the little things when I don't agree with them. I've always been dedicated to doing the little things correct and on the football field because it's something that I agreed with, but understanding that you have to execute even when you don't agree with what the, the standard is. You know, as an 18 year old, who's going to do the chopping around <laughs> and, and doing sir sandwiches? S-
0: sounding off. Um, yeah. The screaming right. random stuff.
1: So that was a, that was a challenge. And there was honestly a period of time where, and this is going to be interesting. I was rebellious during Cleve Summer. I almost made a joke out of things at times. And looking back on it, I, 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 can't express enough how, how childish that was. But it was my reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a part of what made me the man, the officer that I am today. So I think that was the hardest part was getting to the point where I was comfortable enough and confident enough to, to execute. That's really where it stems from. When you're not sure of your, of your performance, you find other outlets in order to let it out. Mm-hmm. It was from a psychological standpoint. I was, I was letting out frustration in, in, in that, in that means. So I think that was the biggest challenge that I had figuring out how to deal with my failure because yep. it's designed to, to make you fail and figuring out how to, how to execute when you're still, you know, how to continue to execute and persevere while failing. That was the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, as an athlete, and we talked about the stigma, that, I mean, it's a very real thing. Yep. Individual conversations with shipmates, classmates, company mates, you know, the idea was, hey, you know, you're an athlete. Why are you here? You're an athlete. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be here in the future, so no don't need to get involved. And it's funny, like with my roommate, looking back, uh, Edward Alada, he was another, he was another <laughs> athlete. Yeah, I was seen as a motivated athlete yep. uh, in that realm, almost as if I was doing too much. So you had a double stigma almost.
0: Absolutely. Um, right. Yeah. no. Talk about like,
1: that, please. Yeah. So there, there's a double stigma that occurs as, you know, wanting to be engaged, wanting to be the best that you can be from a military standpoint and kind of being that Joe, that Joe in the in the P ways. So it's kind of finding that balance because there's definitely a balance. You yeah. have to find that that balance between you know setting the standard and the executing in accordance with and also you know having the humanist humanistic standpoint, a uh, humanistic connection to others. Which is funny because oftentimes in the yard you see that you know, athletes they are a little bit more humanist. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say a little bit more humanist, they're more personable, they're more they're more engaging. And it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy because I think it comes as a result of uh, just you know how engaged we have to be with through the ranks with all of our, uh, all of our classmates and teammates. So it's, it's a heck of a thing. Um, but that was the biggest thing that double stigma dealing yep. with it, uh, you know, with, with peers and dealing with it with uh, with athlete peers yep. and finding that balance. That was a, that was a tough one. From a black and shimmy standpoint, uh, I think the toughest challenge that I saw was when I told myself that I wanted to be a group one or a group two major. Yep. This was the biggest point where the the, the stigma really took because mm-hmm. Not only was I challenged, totally. I was, you know, uh, swayed against doing so. Yep. Encouraged, say, "Hey, like I was honestly encouraged not to." I mean, that was the, the biggest the biggest thing. You know, and we talked about I'm a cyber operations major. Me and Grant have been, you know, we've had many a class together. Yep. It was a tough decision to go cyber operations. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an internal battle because I was hearing from everybody, "Hey, you know, you won't get the help that you need. You won't be able to. You won't be able to succeed as as you want to." And I can honestly say that the opposite was the case. Yeah. And I, I'm thankful that I, I made that decision to go you know, go be a group two major, cyber mm-hmm. operations, brand new major, go into a technical major at the academy. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm thankful I made that decision. But there is a very real stigma against that for, okay. for the mention of color. Um, that was, that's one thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just so for everyone listening too. So when he talks about group one, two, and three majors. So a group one major is an engineering major. So mm-hmm. all of your different engineering flavors fall as group one majors. Your group two majors are your math and science majors. So computer science, cyber operations, physics, all that different stuff falls as a group two major. And then your group three majors are your humanities majors, English majors, history majors, so on and so forth. So it's interesting to hear that you were recommended or almost encouraged to take on a group three major, which is like notoriously I guess at the Academy, a little bit easier than a group one and a group two major.
1: Which is an interesting stigma within itself
0: as well. Yeah, no, which is pretty interesting. So I appreciate you bringing that up. If I may. Yeah, um, please.
1: So that challenge that I received, honestly, was a big reason why I joined the organization I did, in the Black Studies Club, Nesby, and I was very active. I was very, very active in those uh, organizations. And now you see, uh, honestly, a, a blossoming of, of young black Michigan mm-hmm. in, in those group one, group two majors. With Nesby right now, headed by uh, Michigan First Class folks, they're doing a great job continuing on that vision of, of STEM excellence at the academy and, and academic excellence. So it's definitely improving as a result of my year group, the effects that we took and the steps that we took in order to execute. So I think it's it's getting better, but it was something that we dealt with and that we, we had to find a solution to.
0: Interesting. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for bringing that up. And I love what you're saying there. just reiterate like Hey, encourage anyone who wants to go Group 1 or Group 2 major to do it because, I mean, the opportunity is definitely there. Oh, yeah. Cool. So for everyone who doesn't know any about Troy, Troy and a bunch of the other people from the class of 2017 started a thing called YBE. I just want to push it over to Troy here to let him explain what YBE is and just tell the listeners a little bit about YBE. So YBE,
1: it started as a idea, our freshman year, freshman class, we football, all football players, 13 members as of right now, are the best of friends. We know everything about each other. We spent all the time in the world together. Freshman year, you know, you spend all your time with your teammates or you're either in the hall or you're with your teammates. Um, and I was with my teammates most of the time. So we learned so much about each other. And one thing that we did is as we all went through our individual challenges, our individual uh, issues, um, we were all Committed to each other, and the you know, universal strive for X, strive for excellence. So, what that resulted in was our organization, you know, your best every day. So YB stands for your best every day, and, and now it's our company. And we're also looking to create that to transfer that into a nonprofit in Norfolk and in, in all the major cities, where we're dedicated to motivating and pressing people to give their best every day in their in their daily endeavors. In their own realm, whatever that realm may be. It's pretty awesome how how that message has translated. We have about, you know, twelve hundred followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If
2: you'
1: your legacy you can be, you know, communicating with followers at all. It's really interesting to see that daily we see individuals who are communicating, talking about being their best every day as a result of the movement that we've had. Um, yep. And it all came just from, you know, that that community that we built that tight knit group you know that that number 13 has a unique relevance to the golden 13 the first officers uh, first officers of color in the navy so we take it we take our legacy serious we take this this driving seriously it's been awesome though, and we're, we're continuing to do more things t-shirts Looking to do, you know, things in the community, you know, it's clothes drives, yeah. you know, mentoring, tutoring, et cetera. So it's, it's definitely been awesome to start that process.
0: That's really, really special. I'm always in admiration of YBE, man, as all of you guys. So for everyone who doesn't know, all, all of the members in there, I know really personally, really well. And there's a fantastic group of young men and future, and not future leaders anymore, leaders in, in the Navy and yeah. the Marine Corps. So. It's really cool. If you don't mind, just tell the listeners if they want to learn a little bit more about Your Best Everyday, where should they go to learn a little bit about more? Or maybe if they want to get a t shirt, kind of what, what's the route for that?
1: Absolutely. So, primarily, our, our information page, you've got uh, yourbesteveryday.com. We also have the link on our Instagram, at Your Best Everyday. We also have a Facebook page, Your Best Everyday. And all those links, uh, I can get them to Grant Magnum and, and, the, uh, and the, the show links yep. um, so we can get those to everybody. Um, Absolutely. Right now, we have two shirts, the Timeless shirt and the, the Gusto shirt. Gusto meaning confidence. So it's pretty pretty awesome, but we would love to have all the support in the world. Working on developing a blog and integrating you know, some motivation and some empowerment lectures into our, into our repertoire. So definitely going on the up and out. Uh, any support is appreciated.
0: Cool. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, let's make the final transition here into a couple of the last things. So really the last piece here is, what's one thing that you wish someone would have told you prior to heading to the Naval Academy for PLEEP summer? Like what, what did you wish you knew before showing up on high day?
1: I think that having the surprise of what exactly to expect was great because it, it molded me. Having a general understanding of what a day life would be like in PLEEP summer mm-hmm. from a running standpoint so you can prepare... The Naval Academy gives you all your information, but you have to heed that information. Yep. And one final thing is to, to find your quiet in all the, all the chaos. Whether it's going to church on Sundays during that time that's allotted to you. You have the, the donuts and the shipment that you can go to. Or having a book. You have to have something that is for you. If it's meditation, great. If it's a book, great. Mm-hmm. If it's the Bible at night, great. But have something that is for you that you can recenter. If you don't have that opportunity to recenter, it's going to be tough to make it through. Absolutely. And one last thing as well, not just for the summer, but also for your journey through the Naval Academy as well. Find a mentor and take from above perspective, their knowledge, lessons learned, best practices that they have. Um, absorb those, figure out how to mold those and direct those towards uh, your best effective action mm-hmm. um, and simultaneously or back down into those below you uh, when you get individuals out are below you um, yep. and give those things and give them in a directed fashion to assist them in their process because you know what they're going through, which means you know, I know the individual, uh, the individual issues that they're going through. That was really my two big call to actions okay. for, for the next generation.
0: Absolutely. So. I love that. All right. And then the last piece is is do you have a last piece of advice for Mitch and about to begin pleep Summer? Any advice for midshipmen in general? And then specifically, like we were talking about, any advice for athletes about how to balance that double stigma of, one, being involved and incorporated with your company, but two, is still maintaining kind of like your peers as athletes and not trying to get made fun of constantly for being for being a Joe within the brigade?
1: I think that the best way to do it is to, to be a liaison, honestly. Integrate those communities. The moment that you integrate those communities, it gets easy. When your roommates are friends with your best friends and your team and you guys, you know, you you interact, you you talk, um, you develop study groups in between. It makes the process easier and it integrates you all. Um, At the end of the day, we are a common brigade and the more that you do to, to integrate and develop commonalities between those two worlds, I hate saying two worlds, but the two worlds, the better your experience will be and the less that stigma will be there. Yeah, so huh. that would be my recommendation.
0: Absolutely. And I know you don't want to use the word like the, the words two worlds, but I mean that's the reality of it as it yeah. stands right yeah. now in <laughs> the brigade, right? Like yeah. that and that's how it is. And so funny enough, when I was the Reg Commander, and it's still my advice to this day during fireside chats is is I would always tell the athletes, like, look, you need to make an extra effort to be involved in the company. So for everyone who doesn't know, athletes a lot of the times they have meetings during lunch, or they have film during lunch, or they have some kind of practices during lunch. In normal plebes, they have training during lunch. They'll have what we call literally noon meal training. This is more into the academic here as I'm talking about this. But there are some times where some kind of lunch meeting or some kind of lunch practice may get canceled for your sport, right? But most people assume that you have a meeting anyway, so you can just go to your locker room and take a nap Mm -hmm. or take an easy way out. But there's a lot of time where you can make the extra effort to show like, hey... This one time that my meeting got canceled, I will go to that one training. I'll make that extra effort just to be there and be incorporated so that way you can be that liaison, you can be that person that people trust, and it helps mend and build those relationships because you show about the struggles that the other group is going through, right? And at the same time, for your non-varsity athletes, guess what? Make the extra effort and go to their games, right? Actually care about their games. What peeves me so much is when people complain about the amount of work that they have to do. But then they don't realize that an athlete has to go through like four hours of practice and go to games at night, and then they have to do all the same work you're doing in a compressed amount of time, right? So each group has their own and different struggles, but if each group can just make the extra effort to try and understand what that other group is going through and be there involved and care about the other people and show that they're invested in what they're going through, then that relationship can be mended, so... That's always kind of my advice for that people. And I'm glad you brought that up about being that liaison, being that person who is being involved in both groups and trying to mend those relationships because... It goes a long way. It absolutely goes a long way. Cool. All right. Troy, you're the man. This has been an awesome interview. I think you provided a tremendous amount of value to all the listeners. So thank you so much for doing that. But we're going to finish this off with a a few lightning round. Uh, Quick questions here at the end. So first thing going forward is, uh, what's your favorite spot on the yard?
1: Uh, without a doubt, stribbling Walk.
0: Okay. Well, what about stribbling?
1: So there have been days, yeah, especially in the, in the final, final years of my academy experience, those last two years, where I would just sit out there and, and, and watch them the shipment go uh, to and fro. So. when I mean, everything starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. Stribbling was the place where I would just go and I would, I would observe. And I loved to just watch the mids, you know, my peers, going where they needed to go. It was great to be able to see that and kind of – that's where my academy experience flashed before my eyes. Yeah, way cool. From I-Bay to all the parades you know, that I actually did do. <laughs> you know, we, we were engaged. That's right. Uh, as athletes. And then to that, you know, that, that, those final moments during graduation, the walk was the that common thread.
0: Yep, anyway. absolutely. All right, second question. What's your favorite meal in King Hall? Oh, buff chicks. Easy buff day. chicks. Hey, Thursday lunch, buff baby. We got that buff chicks. Hey. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Question three. Who was your biggest officer or senior, enle- uh, senior enlisted leader uh, mentor during your four years? Of- I have such a long list. Uh, give give a, me a couple. Give him a couple shout outs. Um,
1: so uh, I've got Lieutenant Colonel Green, Robert Green, who's an mm-hmm. officer liaison over, over at uh, Ricketts for us. Uh, Captain Robert Zews, safety officer for USNA He's about to retire. Lieutenant Alana Abernathy. She was in admissions, worked with the Mission Black Studies program. She'll probably be a captain one day. Awesome, awesome, awesome people. I'm thankful for, for all of my, honestly, my navigation and seamanship teachers. They were all awesome. Lieutenant Inch, you know, they, they were, they were great. And then from the senior enlisted standpoint, I had two, three phenomenal gunnery sergeants. Um, gunnery sergeant Baum, gunnery sergeant Owens, and now master sergeant. Yeah. Um, they're awesome. They, they've all they all ingrained in me, you know, the importance of setting a standard, the importance of, of executing in accordance with and the importance of, of being a, a lion heart leader. So I'm thankful that I had I had three Marines that were pretty awesome. And they they, they, they put their foot on my neck and, and they, they set me down like right that.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, next is I, hey, I know you're a big reader. We talk about it all the time. We talk about the Enjoy, books we read. Yeah. One, what's your favorite book? And then two with that is, is, what is one book you'd recommend someone reads before heading to the Naval Academy? They can be the same book, but uh, kind of what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, for the purpose of sharing more knowledge and, and more information, um, my favorite book of all time is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Those four tenets, uh, honestly, they're just tenets of stoic, you know, stoicism, um, which is a very big, it's a tenet that, honestly, you get taught about it throughout, the, throughout your tenure at the Academy, but it goes a long way. That that book, by and far, I would recommend all of you to read. Whether you're a midshipman, an officer, enlisted, wh- whoever you are, parents read it as well. Yeah. Um, that book sets the tone for uh, to be an effective member of society, um, and also the Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People. Great book. Yep. Such a success. So.
0: Absolutely. We'll we'll throw a, a link to both those books in the show notes. So I appreciate appreciate those shout outs. All right. Last question. What is your greatest memory from your four years at the academy?
1: Greatest memory was uh, fourth quarters, my plea year.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> it was frozen outside, so this is yeah. the last fourth quarters that we've had that we had uh, outside, um, and that one honestly it ingrained the warrior mindset into me because it was it was frozen outside. We were up at zero three thirty, and we were grinding, and that set the standard. This, this set the tone for me not only throughout my naval academy career but my life.
0: Absolutely, all right. Hey, Troy, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. And I hope for all the listeners, I hope you learned a little bit about Pleep Summer through True Story, but also uh, that you just learned a a little bit about life and leadership and just kind of learn a little bit about what the Naval Academy is all about through this discussion. So again, Troy, thanks so much, dude. It's been awesome talking to you. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Take care and uh, have fun out there in Japan, man.
1: Hey, pleasure is all mine. If any of your followers need a contact, let them know I'm, I'm
0: always open. Absolutely. We'll throw your contact in. It's been a pleasure, info. man. All right. Appreciate it, Troy. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening to the podcast episode today with Troy. Please make sure to leave a review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe to the Academy Insider Podcast. If you want to know more about Plebe Summer, check out my video online course in which I go over in detail how someone should prepare for Plebe Summer physically, mentally emotionally, and logistically. You can find that and other articles about Plebsheimer on my webpage, www.academyinsider.com. All links discussed in the show are listed in the show notes below. And I'm Grant Vermeer, your Academy Insider. Thank you so much for letting me be your guide to the United States Naval Academy.